Rye Smile Films presents The Shot. And now here are your hosts, Matt and Jesse. Welcome back to the midweek episode of Rye Smile Presents The One Shot. We're going to call this episode How Horror Found Us. Mm-hmm. And as we're in the middle of this big barrel on horror for the next semi four or five weeks. Yeah, right in the middle of King and got some other stuff on the horizon. Thought it'd be an interesting time to sort of get the viewers and myself familiar with horror from your point of view and vice versa. So I guess before we get too far into this, I just want to ask you, Jesse, Okay. what is it about this particular genre, which might I venture is your favorite genre? Hands down. Okay. That makes it your favorite genre. What mm-hmm. is that thing that catches you and hooks you and has been, you know, made you a horror fan for 20 years? Sure. Uh, I think it found me probably around, you know, it was 11 or 12 I was pretty freaked out by a lot of stuff. So kind of where I come into that is I was an only child. You know, I have a whole roller coaster story kind of that falls in the same line. I was just like afraid to like go into the extreme and horror films kind of fit that element. I remember seeing Halloween one and two like glimpses of it on the sci-fi channel. Uh, The second one in particular where they're in the hospital and I, I didn't even watch the whole thing and it gave me nightmares for weeks. I just had the visage of Michael Myers just in my my dreams and I just couldn't shake that feeling. I didn't like it. So I became pretty buddy-buddy with a friend when I got to middle school. His name was Josh and he loved this shit, like loved it. All the Fridays, all the nightmares, all the Halloweens, it's like all he wanted to talk about. So he actually lived a couple streets down from me. I'd, we'd walk to each other's house. We'd, we had a lot of Nintendo and yep. uh, PlayStation playing, yep. but we would he would want to watch horror films. And I was like, oh, I didn't want to say no. I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm too scared to watch that. So through like FOMO, fear of missing out, mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of like forced myself into this genre. And I, I have a very vivid memory of us watching Halloween 5, um, The Revenge of Michael Myers, which is maybe the worst entry in the entire franchise on a VHS <laughs> tape on a little like 15-inch TV like on a coffee table like and it was just a blast like I loved like we were riffing on it we were couldn't wait to like see like where it where it took off from there and so then it became self-discovery I went and bought the first Halloween I would hear stuff through the grapevine and as we're going to talk about a little later with some kind of monumental choices yeah you know I just kind of started just exploring whether that was through slasher or zombie classics I was already well acquainted with the Universal Monsters series but that's pretty tame horror for kind of the stuff I got into with like the 70s and 80s and the 90s. And then it was it was totally a different treat when I was old enough to go to the theater to start seeing some of this stuff. That was a totally different ball game. So that's kind of that's kind of where I came into it. What I love about the genre is just how many different things you can do with it. And you know whether it's it's a knife picture or possession Things like that. But you can also have great social commentaries in those films without beating the viewer over the head with it. Whether it's Night of the Living Dead and Metaphors of Vietnam or Dawn of the Dead and Consumerism, the virginal final girl and everything that means. I mean, we'll talk about that soon. Mm-hmm. I think you can do quite a bit with that. And they reflect what's happening in the world. But it's a genre that's also able to evolve through the decades. Whether that's the 2000s, the 80s, the 50s, the atomic age. Yeah. So I love about it too. And the characters, whether they're the villains or the heroes, there's just the some of cinema's greatest legends have come from this genre. Like Hannibal Lecter, no Frankenstein, Dracula, Ellen Ripley we could throw in there too. So yeah, that's kind of where I come from it. You brought up Halloween 2 mm-hmm. and the hospital sequence. This 
this may take you back, and I don't know if you have an answer for this, but I'll okay. throw it out there. Okay. Did that trouble you because it happened in a hospital? And if that can happen there, there's that element of never being safe regardless. I th- Did I, you pick up on that? And I think that's why I always gravitated towards the Halloween series in yeah. general, because he was the most grounded any town USA if you didn't lock your doors, someone might sneak in type of a thing. There was a there was a more grounded reality to Michael Myers at the beginning <laughs> yeah. before it got ridiculous. And you know, I I think you're definitely right. It was it felt like it could happen. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, that made me kind of because I used to love unsolved mysteries as a kid, Robert Stack. Oh yeah. And then I think I I caught wind of one where it hit it like a little too close to home, and I was like, I don't like this show anymore. These freaks are real, kind of a thing. So <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Was there ever a time in your journey to where we are now with horror that you found yourself struggling to bridge the suspension of disbelief and maybe jumping off? Was did did found footage bring you back, or are there are there chapters to it for you? Like you kind of so. mentioned like the more grounded stuff, but did you go through a supernatural phase? Yeah, or? No, and and I, I my palate has a little taste for all of it. Yeah. Like there's some stuff in the two thousands, you know, where it gets kind of torture porny kind of, kind of stuff. But like, yeah. I really dig that first soft film Yeah, and you know, Wolf Creek mm-hmm. and there's another high one. anxiety. Yeah. There's another one or high tension. High tension. Yeah. High anxiety is a little different. <laughs> That's the Mel Brooks film, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> uh, and there's another one in there with Michael Fassbender uh, called Eden Lake. That's yep. another troubling film, but yes. like, like it's a different type of horror. Um, no, I I, I, I I like the found footage stuff. I like the slasher. I like the, the atomic monsters. I like the creature features. I love when sci-fi and horror play well together. The mm-hmm. Thing, Alien, The Fly. Yeah. Like some That's some of my favorite, actually. Sure. Then there's body horror. Cronenberg. He's made a whole career on that. Yes, mm-hmm. he certainly has. Mm-hmm. What about you? Where, where, where's, where's your kind of entry point in? I think it comes down to two things. Mm-hmm. It was... That I wasn't allowed to really go very deep into horror early mm-hmm. on. And my second grade school librarian, if you can believe that. Okay. So from an early, early age, raised the way I was raised and very traditional Catholic upbringing, mm-hmm. horror wasn't a staple in my house. Films were. Yeah. But not necessarily horror. I There were offhanded comments that my mom would make about cycle here and there or maybe the birds and it's hard to pop on like silence of the lambs for like family movie right, right? like that's a tone <laughs> yeah you know i mean we were watching superman mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff yeah and i got to second grade and as i progressed in the grades the access to the books at the library increased with reading level mm-hmm. and the minute i got to the second grade it opened up a small section of what you mentioned. Mm-hmm. There were four Universal Monster books that were all in an orange cover. Yes. You know those yeah, books? Yeah, I've read the same ones. <laughs> and I remember finally being able to get my hands on that, that I had walked by. Like, I loved story time in the library. Mm-hmm. And most of my early experience with horror came through story. Yeah. Like, I even remember as a kid really liking Christmas Carol, Dickens' mm-hmm. Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. but not because of the Christmas spirit, because of the ghosts, man. Yeah. Anyway... I loved Halloween time there because Miss Raybould, rest her soul, mm-hmm. did a really good job of reading us, I think, age-appropriate horror. And then I would walk by those books, and it was Dracula, and it was The Wolfman, it was Frankenstein, and it was, I forget what the fourth one was. Like The Mummy. I think it was The Mummy, actually. Mm-hmm. And we finally got to be old enough to where I could get that book. And I remember she said, okay, second graders, you can have these sections. And I literally sprinted mm-hmm. 
with three of my other buddies and I got my hands on that Dracula book. Yeah. And I checked it out and I had it for a week. I think I read that thing four or five times. That's... And every line in that from Van Helsing stays behind to kill Dracula's wives to the, like mm-hmm. everything peaked an interest in me. Yeah. So oh. I guess it starts there. Yeah. But I was in no place to want to see horror movies. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I see a cartoon. Okay. About the same time. And it's this will come up a little bit later, but mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and say it now. It was Disney's 1947 version of Ichabod Crane and Mr. Toad. Mm. And it was their portion of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah. And that came on at Halloween one time. And it really rocked me. <clears throat> and it really rocked me so much that on the way to my bedroom through our house, we had a bookshelf. Okay. And for some reason, <laughs> we had a copy of Washington Irving's Legend of Sleepy oh, Hollow. Wow. And man, I was that that story scared me so much. I made my mom remove that book from the bookcase because <laughs> if I walked by and saw it, yeah. I would find myself thinking about it. So understand, other than a Disney film, I really haven't had any exposure. Sure. But you know what the book that was next to it? And I wonder if this is my mom just playing a sick joke on me. <laughs> the book next to it, mm-hmm. we've talked about it a lot, mm-hmm. was Salem's Lot. Oh. <laughs> so then I and the cover was such that it didn't look like a Danielle Steele Harlequin romancey. There was yeah. something off about that book. Yeah. And so I asked my mom about it. Mm-hmm. You know, what's this book? And my mom introduced me to Stephen King, popular culture vampire. Mm-hmm. I was so scared by that that I actually put a rosary on my nightstand's bedpost <laughs> next to me and I would hold it yeah. as I told my evening prayers. Over. So, like, I guess part of it is yeah. I wasn't allowed to it in my religious upbringing. Mm-hmm. And then everything changed for me. On December 2nd of 1983. Look, you got the date. I'm 10 years old. The changing point. <laughs> and this is this is the launching point to mm-hmm. it. I had an irresponsible babysitter, you see. And my parents had gone out. Okay. And that was the night that MTV premiered Michael Jackson's Thriller. Oh, okay. So I'm 10. My little brother's 5. And again, you look at that now and you're like, it's pretty fantastic. And it's more glam than horror. Mm-hmm. But that opening bit that's the ripoff of I Was a Teenage Werewolf from yes. Michael... Uh-huh. scared me to death. Oh, jeez. And I remember they, they hyped it up and we're going to show it late. Make sure your kids are asleep. They, they The hype around it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And then Donna Herman broke the rules and let us stay up late that night oh, no. and watch it. And then I sat there and it finished. And then they showed it again. Okay. And from that point, it was, I'm really into this because it was against everything that I'd been taught to bring, to believe like religiously. Mm-hmm. And then the forbidden fruit that I was finally able to pick from the tree and eat of. Yeah. And from that point forward, yeah. it was just, it was it was on. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something that I also have a chapter, you, your buddy around the corner that was your horror buddy, yeah. video games and horror. Yeah. I had that buddy too. Mm-hmm. My guy's name was Andrew. And this is back in the days when supermarkets still used to have mm-hmm. VHS rentals. Somehow... He had his name on his mom and dad's video rentals oh, at Smith's. Oh, jeez. So I'm a sixth grader. At this point, I've, I've kind of ventured into the waters a little bit, but I can't really say that other than one afternoon catching the 1979 version of Salem's Lot, that mm-hmm. because it was not rated, HBO was showing at 3 o'clock in the afternoon yeah. and watching that film. And we've talked about this in the podcast. Mm-hmm. My mom came in and saved me that day. So this is my only moment in horror other than Ichabod Crane and, and yeah. Thriller. Yeah. There's the part where Danny Glick goes to the window. Oh, yeah. Levitates in the... Yeah. So unnatural. Ugh. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I got to get out of this. But I was 
too scared to get up and shut it off. So my mom came in, and me and my little friend Blake mm-hmm. were in the chair huddled, yeah. and she t- turned it off. Well, again, more of the same. Mm-hmm. I'm interested. Now I want to keep going. Yeah. So, I, I again, with the buddy that you had, the same my same buddy, the, the horror and mm-hmm. video game buddy, it was access to a whole library. And once we burned through Fast Times yeah. and Hot Dog the Movie yeah. and um, Risky Business and all those sort of staples of adolescence yeah. that were more about sex than they were anything else, sure. yeah. we ran out of stuff to watch and we made our way to the horror Let's section. To the horror next. And that's where it kind of really took off for me, my sixth grade year. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the things I get asked a lot just because, you know, I'm very vocal that I like horror films. I, you know, make my friends go see all the latest new releases and more on that in a little bit. But I get asked, like, why do you like that that kind of stuff? And I don't even know if I have an answer for that because emotionally, like, the thought of being scared, like, why would you want to subject yourself to something? It's the same as riding a roller coaster. Yeah. That that euphoria that you you feel with, with, with fear. And I, I one of the things I really tend to enjoy about horror films is actually the setting. And I think that's why the slasher genre might be my favorite subgenre within the the horror. Mm-hmm. The horror realm is like the settings present uh, the arena playground for how the film's going to play out. Whether that's a college campus, a campground, uh, a suburban street, your mm-hmm. dreams. Like I, there's, yeah. there's just so much you can do with that. And it all has a, 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 a familiarity. Like, a lot of kids went to camp. A lot of kids have been babysat. And I think then real-life fears start coming into that. But because I got so into movies and I know what type of how they make the blood and how they do the gore effects, like, that desensitization, like, kind of has worn off me. And I'm able to enjoy it for just, like, pure entertainment and love of film. Right. Whereas a lot of people that, you know, didn't kind of, like, subject themselves to everything that Fulci ever made can be tend to be bothered by the the grotesque and the 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 abnormal like it's certainly an acquired taste and as we're talking of acquired taste mm-hmm. uh this stuff we're drinking tonight is fantastic mystery scotch is what we're gonna call it yeah, this is in the <laughs> bottle with the skull yeah so who knows what it is but Excellent. it's going down nice there you go yeah once you get past i think the shock of some of that like you said just vast amounts of blood mm-hmm. and these very perverted and i don't mean that in a sexual mm-hmm. way although it can be yeah um scenarios that play out and get to the entertainment value there is a euphoric feeling but it's different so the you the roller coaster is a really good analogy yeah. i think yeah up and down the peaks and valleys and that that thrill i want to go back to what you said because i think it's it's noteworthy to say the least mm-hmm. if you've ever been in a film and we'll get to this i'm sure and really been scared like or really really been scared yeah that's not a great place to be mm-hmm I think for me, one of the interesting things that horror allows me to do is play with something that I won't know what it's like until I go through, yeah. which is death. Mm-hmm. And so we test out what the waters might be like. Mm-hmm. And as you get a little bit further out and you wade from the shallow end to the deeper end of that pool, yeah. I think you start to experience a bit more graphic things. Yeah. I think it serves a sick need mm-hmm. to answer questions. And it might go back to the upbringing that I brought up with because... Yeah. So much of my, and yours too, Catholic yeah. upbringing, yeah. revolves around the crucifixion. Yep. And let's be honest about that, man. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty supernatural moment that outside of you know non-secular belief could yeah. be the basis for a pretty brutal film. Yeah, exactly. So if that's what you're basing kind of like what life sort of is important about, and this is not, I'm not trying to rally the troops around Catholicism. No, it's yeah. just my entry into yeah. this. Yeah. 
it gave me a chance to practice that. Mm -hmm. And the blood and all that just sort of fit. Mm -hmm. And the acquired taste came with seeing enough of that that you could get over that hurdle and get on with what the next part was. Definitely. But some people never get over that hurdle. No, and a lot of the things you brought up, you know, these are like psychology terms. These are like terms that have been, you know, created by like uh, psychologists like Sigmund Freud and stuff. And this, this is what I love about the genres. You're able to dig so deep into here. With whether it's mommy issues like in Psycho or, you know, body or body dysmorphia with like films like Chrono Videodrome. The Fly. The Fly. Like you can just get so in the weeds with like the deeper meaning behind a film. And it's and on the surface, it's 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 a dude in makeup like that's turning in. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's so basic on the on the surface. But when you peel those layers back, man, there's some great stuff behind there. Like one of the films I've been able to find that in too. I know you you've seen this one is uh, 1932's uh, Todd Browning's Freaks. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Talk about again a film that's hard to find, but then ruined the career of the director, but then also kind of uncomfortable for you know the the real life horrors that 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 film kind of presents. Yeah. There's no makeup in that until the very end when she gets turned into the human duck. Oh, that's disturbing too. Very but, disturbing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting path because for everything that Dracula was, which was the slam dunk Mm -hmm. to terrify audiences, and then you followed up with Freaks, and basically that's it for you Mm -hmm. because you are so exploitative over the characters. And for all of you that have not seen Freaks, real quick, just generally a circus about um, the trapeze artist Mm -hmm. that kind of turns on the Freaks and the circus after she marries one trying to dig his gold. Mm -hmm. And then they basically murder her. You got to see it. Like, it's only like 60 minutes. Yeah. Find it this Halloween. Watch it. Like, the scene in the rain will give you the wheelies oh. for, like, forever. It's, it's burned. Like, so many of these images from these films are just burned in my retina. And if I want to think about it, like, I just got to, like, look that way. And, it, oh, it's there. Oh, I can see it right there. But that movie is such a great example of how that's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it certainly wasn't back in the time. Like, we will, bar- you and I will probably both agree. Mm-hmm. It's a brilliant film. It's moving. It's Mm -hmm. unapologetic. Mm -hmm. There's an interesting story. It's an unfamiliar setting. And I love how it's taboo for the time. Like, yeah, only an insane man would want to make a movie like that in 1932. Like, and it did him in. Yep. But that's sort of the gist of horror that maybe it did in his career. But I think horror does in a lot of people because you got to find a way Mm -hmm. to get over and through that. Because once you're past that. It's actually a pretty simple story about revenge and money. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the base of horror. Like you mentioned, you know, Halloween. Mm -hmm. That is shot so cheaply Mm -hmm. and so grittily. That's not even a word, but there's such a a (laughs) gritty feel to it. It feels like your next door neighbor. Yeah. A gorilla style to it. It's other than Jamie Lee Curtis, who's now a star now. A lot of unknown actors at the time, unknown director, kind of a thing. Yeah, like, and it, like, I love how it's, it's really suburb. It's really Hollywood, Los Angeles. Right. But it can look like that street looks like every street in like middle coastal, eastern coast America. Like you can picture yourself playing on that street in that film, and that's why that one always affected me. Well, so what's crazy about that then is I almost think that there's a more relatable element mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Versus other genres. Like, let's take musicals. Mm-hmm. There's just, like, for whatever they are, yeah. no one just bursts out into song walking yeah. down the street. Yeah. But yeah. there are plenty of stories mm-hmm. of this bad guy who is the boogeyman. Yep. And there's plenty of stories of 
the ghost tale that like everyone I know has a ghost story or knows a ghost story. Sure. Now, I've never actually seen one myself. Yeah. But everybody has one of those stories. Mm-hmm. And it all plays on the same thing. Some people are crazy and they're going to do terrible things. And sadly, to that, mm-hmm. everybody's going to pass away at some point. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean afterwards? Mm-hmm. Is the power of the soul, the ghost? Like, yeah. There's an infinitely wide buy-in to the horror genre because, in a sense, yeah. we live it. Yep. Isn't that strange? Very strange. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to three films that have like had a profound influence from the horror genre on our lives. You want me to go first? Sure. Right. So Are we going three, two, one, or just in no random, or just any order? Yeah, it'll just yeah, and just okay. in any order. The first one I remember. This was kind of like the first traditional horror film I got to see in the theater, and it was actually two thousand two. It was M Night Shyamalan Signs. Oh wow! If we want to call that horror. Yeah. Yeah, and I was digging the movie. You know, I had wanted been wanting to see this for weeks. My mom finally took me like like kind of a month in. And I was really liking it, and I was really on board. And then we get to the scene with Joaquin Phoenix watching the Brazilian news mm-hmm. footage in the closet, and yep. the alien walks past the garage. <laughs> it's behind! The, that feeling when it jumped, like, it just put a pit in my stomach, and my stomach sank, and I was suddenly very uncomfortable to watch the rest of the film because I didn't like how that moment made me feel. And I was really on edge for the rest of the film because I didn't want to feel that emotion again. Like it was literally the dip on a, a roller coaster. It was it came out of nowhere and kudos to Shyamalan. Like that's one of the best jump scares in all of film. That one's that was like the first one. That was the one that was like, oh, this genre is like not shitting around. Like that scene got me too. Yeah. And again, we did a whole cask on this. Mm-hmm. The power of that director. When he is in control, yeah, to do that on a television, Im- yeah, it's yeah. So my first, I just mentioned it was that Ichabod Crane and Mr. Mm-hmm. Toad. That's crazy to think a movie from 1947 that animated, that's animated, <clears throat> could have that big an impact on me. Jesse, that movie scared me, yeah, so 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 heavily. Um, well, real quick, Walt Disney was real great too at like kind of like that gothic imagery. You know, you take that scene in Snow White and the Seven Doors when she's running through like the, oh, yeah. the forest, like. It's that same type of thing. It's like the unnatural, like kind of setting. It's it takes on an almost fantastical element. Bing Crosby narrating it, mm-hmm. and the very slow process by which that film unfolds. Yeah. Now that piqued an interest in me that led to the book that eventually got read on my shelf. But that movie really, really that movie doesn't scare me now. Yeah. That story though, I think, is a terrific, terrific story. The way Disney does it is the Bram Bones, who is the obviously the precursor to Gaston, mm-hmm. um, and sort of the nod that they give him at the end, like it wasn't the supernatural thing. It was maybe Bram Bones, and he knew a little bit more about this than he should have, mm-hmm. hinting that he might have been the Headless Horseman. Yeah. That is such a classic, frightening, and iconic story, because if you can just get across the bridge, mm-hmm. you're safe. Yeah. But the question is, when's it going to show up? And again, it lights the fuse. And the way that 47-minute piece is directed and carried out, which was the only, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the only production that Disney had Uh that had all of the nine old men involved on it. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's mine. Okay. That's pretty good. Peaked in interest. I I look back at it now, and I think I'm going to make... My daughter watch it. Yeah, this Halloween just that's, that's because a good one. the Mister Toad story on its own is so it's like almost it's a comedy, 
And like that's so different. And then they throw Headless Horseman in there, and you're just like, "What? <laughs> like this is such a 180." And the arts at that time, the art, which is all those hand drawn images, is so beautiful. Do they still have the Mister Toad's Wild Ride at Disneyland? They do. All oh, right, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get on that one. We are gonna have to get on that. Excellent. One. Let's hear number two. My next one for me. So now, kind of catch up a couple of years. Um, I think I'm about 14. And I'm in high school now. Mm-hmm. Kind of like trying to figure all that shit out, and I'm fully in the horror realm right now like i'm like looking up stuff on the internet or hearing about these films watching the when bravo i think bravo's still a channel or they did a great thing one year it was bravo's 100 scariest movie moments i watched it too so good so good and Mm -hmm. i'm like and so when they came up and like if there was one i didn't know i would like i would like mark it down and i'd go like kind of like research it we had dial up of course so it took forever (laughs) But the one on there that like totally stuck out to me that I wanted to see was Sam Raimi's 1981, The Evil Dead, the first one. Wow. And so this was like the tail end of like Hollywood video, but I was able to go get it and then it was on VHS. And we got to talk about Evil Dead one day because that, that film's had so many freaking releases and there was literally four VHSs to choose from. I didn't know. It. And it's the same movie. Right. So I pick one, I take it home, I watch it. And you know, the tape must have just been just trash just because like the sounds all warpy and so every, it's it's taking on like a supernatural element at this point <laughs> and i'm watching and i get to like the first kind of like uh necronomicon like reveal and it like totally just like made me uncomfortable it's like this is like the exorcist on steroids i was like i don't like any of this i literally had to like fast forward through i fast forward watched the movie because i couldn't like sit and just like watch like what was happening to sharp too too harsh it was too, just too intense it was too it was like the first time i think i'd ever seen something made so crudely again no uh-huh, money uh-huh. and it, it felt just so raw uh-huh. so i fast forwarded through it i rewound it and i actually gave it some space and then i came back and watched it and i was like oh my god this is awesome like this yeah. is so cool so then i put it in my backpack the next day this vhs tape i went and told all my friends about it. i was like guys i got like the coolest movie like i felt like a kid of the 80s like this was my one moment and I was like, we got to watch this. So we went to Josh's house after school. We popped in this tape and they just ate it up. It was talk about just like like fi- discovering a film on your own through word of mouth, through like no one else, but like just like the people in the world. Mm-hmm. You find it. It's so good. And then you spread that word of mouth to your friends. And now it's like totally part of their of their their filmography, too. It's beautiful. We they did a re-release of it when I was in college, and we went we went to see it, and it was just it was so cool. And I took a buddy of mine that hadn't seen it, and he was so uncomfortable because he didn't know what I was bringing him oh, to. Bet yeah. So that's my number two. The I, the Evil Dead has a special place in my heart for that moment. Like this little kid, this fourteen year old taking a VHS tape to high school with him, so he could like go show all his friends that it. it was it was a fun time. You hit a thing that's really important for both of us in horror, and that's who you see it with and mm-hmm. the impact that it has. Horror works better when there's a collective fear shared by many. Oh, yeah. But it also works if it's a collective fear in isolation, which would be, I guess, a singular fear. Mm-hmm. What destroys horror is, and again, this is just a theory, yeah. like all this, mm-hmm. the person that wants to knock every moment, that would never happen, never happen. Because yeah. what I always argue is that's the person who in the room is the most scared. Most scared, yeah. They just won't let go to get there. Mm-hmm. I like well, that one. Well, comedy's their release. Like, that's their safety zone. That that person mm-hmm. is always a comedy fan. Yeah. And there's so, you've hit the nail on mm-hmm. the head. They follow the same tropes and story, don't yeah. they? Relieve the tension by either yikes or ha ha ha. Yep. Okay, so my number two, I just mentioned it a little while ago with Salem's Lot. 
again, I, it's it's hilarious to me that in the vast amount of horror films that I've seen, then one and two slots are Ichabod Crane <laughs> and Salem's Lot. Yeah. 1979 made for movie total B list. But for all of the things that's B list about that movie, it's pretty well done. Yeah. Look, I don't think you're going to pop that in and, you know, need to go find your teddy bear and seek a therapist today. Yeah. But there's a level of nostalgia with that, too. My buddy Blakey, yeah. that was the guy that I watched it with, was kind of like the guys you saw it with. Mm-hmm. And I talked him into it. And he wanted no part. He didn't have the history with Salem's Lot that my mom had sort of begrudgingly or carefully introduced me to through just curiosity because I kept incessantly asking, asking. Yeah. And I sat him down in that. And, man, that was two little third graders. So this is the summer mm-hmm. of 1983, mm-hmm. like May-ish. Yeah. And just scared the hell out of me. So like I told you, my mom shut it off. <laughs> but that's like 30 minutes in. Yeah. There's a whole other movie. There's there. a whole other three hours. But I haven't even met Barlow yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we we got back to that film later. Mm-hmm. And I finally finished it. And it, it delivered for what I needed it to be at that time. That's a really important summer for me in horror, 83. Yeah. 80, like the summer of 1983 to the beginning of 1984, because Thriller is like four months after that, yeah. December 3rd. So, or maybe more than that, what's May? Like, yeah, maybe six months after that. Mm-hmm. But Did you do Poltergeist when it came out? I did. Yeah. That's around that, 82. That's just a good period. Mm-hmm. And the thing that was nice about Poltergeist, because it got the PG-13 rating, yeah. it wasn't on late at night. Because yeah. HBO had that after 10 as the R-rated period. Yes. So they're on a, in the middle of the day. Guy the peels his face off. In the summer with <laughs> nothing else to do. What yeah. am I going to do? Watch that movie yeah. over and over and over. We had very similar upbringings. Because not only did I have, I have the Catholic upbringing, but like... My family was also beneficial that we also had HBO in the house. Like, so, like, oh, I. Blessing, huh? Said that. Thank I, you, HBO. I spent many, like, that's how I found out that, like, you, like, you know, Thursdays, like, after midnight, they showed, like, some other fun stuff, too. <laughs> like, like, it's just, it's all that's kind of self discovery, but they, they would show that type of stuff during the day if it, like, could, could, like, skirt through with, like, a PG or PG 13 rating. Right. Interesting. All right, my next one. I don't know if I'm ready for this. I wonder if this is going to be the same for both of us. I'm going to tell a story. I, I only think I've told you the one time when I saw this film. Okay. And I don't talk about it very frequently. So, in 2008, or 2007, The Mist comes out. Yeah. And I took a buddy to see it. Movie was amazing. Go listen to that podcast. You'll see why. Mm-hmm. They show a little trailer before the film for mm-hmm. a film called The Poughkeepsie Tapes. Yep. Made by uh, John Eric Dwaddle. And these guys went on to do Devil, As Above, So Below, Quarantine. Oh. They went on to make some stuff. They did that Waco series uh, last year. Okay. So it like was found footage, but it was like these tapes that this serial killer left behind. And I was really interested. And then a couple months later, I stumbled across this clip on YouTube. And it was a clip from the movie. And it was so disturbing. It just like it... It like tickled me in like a weird way, and I was like, I gotta see more of that. So I showed all my friends, and then they ate it up. They wanted to, they wanted a piece. Mm. This film never found distribution. It could never find like a way to get in the theaters. I think even Blockbuster, whatever their instant thing they were trying to get off the ground that got killed, they ha- they had shown it, but it wasn't available to stream. So finally, my buddy like was able to get like a bootleg copy of oh, it, wow. of a DVD rip. So picture quality was great. And this was like two years later. So I texted all the friends. I'm like, it's on. We got it. Movie night. Let's make it happen. 
So first of all, I make my friends. I've after I discovered all this stuff, I've made them watch so much crazy shit. And sometimes they love it, and sometimes they're just like, Jesse, what did you make us watch? Did like, they have any idea what the Poughkeepsie tapes were? No, they did. They, they had all seen the clip. Okay, they had seen right, the trailer. Yeah. They were on board. But like with mm. like like Hereditary and mm-hmm. like some other films, like I, I usually I usually get Jesse like, what the hell was that? So here we had movie night, packed house. I think there's like maybe like 18 of us. And this film comes on, and oh, good God, like, you can see it now. It actually got a, a Blu-ray release by uh, Scream Factory. Hmm. I could never watch this again. It just, the thing was, it just felt so real. We had gone outside the horror genre and into, like, police, like, footage, like, that was only meant to be seen by, like, a certain eye. Yeah. And here we are, the viewer, the voyeur, watching this. And the stuff that's happening in there is, again, it feels real, and the imagery was just so disturbing I've seen the most, I've seen all the, the craziest shit you can see. And I've seen the hardcore Korean cinema. I've seen audition. Like I've oh. seen some crazy shit after seeing this. Like I couldn't shake the feeling of this film off me. It was very bizarre. Anytime I like went to go to sleep, I just kept picturing the film and like driving to and fro. Like I've just kept bringing it up and I felt it was almost, it wasn't like depression, but it was just like. A, a dark angry cloud hanging over me and i couldn't get rid of it it was and it, all my friends it didn't do any of that it didn't do that to any of them just you just me and i was making a film like a student film at that time and i didn't even want to make that and that was horror related slasher and i was like gosh i think i've ruined horror for me permanently like what have i done after a, a period of time the feeling eventually went away but i was like man like i kudos to something because no no movie's ever done that to me have you to this point now 10 years post 11 years post almost 12 years post poughkeepsie tapes yeah have you ever pinpoint exactly what it was about that movie that was so off-putting to you you know what and at the time at at, i was in college and i was taking a lot of like sociology and psychology classes i was learning about like all this shit like modus operandi and just like you know the the patterns of these killers and everything and I don't know if it just hit me just like so real because that was all in my head at the same time that it just like it stuck like fly pep, fly paper and I was just I wasn't able to get rid of it. It's it was bizarre. Like it was I, I can see why it didn't find distribution, first of all. But yeah, that's never that that hasn't happened before or since. And so now when I go seek out horror, I I'm a little careful. You know what I mean? Yes. I'm not just like, just because it's there and I want to see it, I'm not going to jump headfirst into it. Like, I'm going to be careful with the way I, I approach horror. The, not to say I haven't been disturbed since by some things, but not not quite like that. Well, there's like Hereditary Disturbed, which yeah. we both were pretty uncomfortable when that yeah. film was over. And then there's that. There's a different, it's, yeah. I saw that trailer too yeah. with The Mist. And I remember leaning over to my wife saying, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's found footage snuff film. Yeah. And... Then it just disappeared. And I was teaching film back then. And I remember even talking to my students like, this seems great. And then it just disappeared. And I remember you saying, I found it. We saw it. And it fucked me up. <laughs> I, we, that's what you told me. It's yeah. like, I think, Matt, I think horror might be ruined for me. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. That's. And I was thinking. No wonder it didn't get distribution. If the biggest horror fan I've ever known yeah. right here is you. Yeah. Can't. Hand, can you watch it again today? Could you watch I, it again? I couldn't do it, no. That's, wow. Yeah. No wonder it didn't find this. Like, you're lucky that you, I don't know how your friend found the copy. Yeah. Um, but I almost ruined, like, Halloween. I almost ruined, like, my favorite genre. Like, I was like, I can't watch any of that stuff anymore. Like, it's it's all tainted. Mm. Real bizarre. 
But if you're curious, it's out there and you can buy it. Check it out if, if you want to, but... Or don't. You've been warned. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've never to this day seen it. No, no, I'm not going to do Just it. miss it, dude. Yeah, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> There's a lot of potential number ones for me in this. There's a lot of horror. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to go to early. It's like we talked about the Changeling off mic. Okay. I talked about, before I came, seeing Ghost Story one night in mm-hmm. the woods with my wife yeah. at a cabin that we were house-sitting which was an inspiration to a script that we wrote, really, mm-hmm. when you get down to it, right? Memorial mm-hmm. Day. There's been a lot of them, but I got to go back to younger me because that's when it was most influential. And this is so on the nose for number one for a lot of people, but it's The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. It's the same story that my guy, Andrew. Yeah. We burned through all of the you know trashy <laughs> sex stuff that was there that we could get our hands on. And we finally were able to get, they had one copy of The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. The cover is great. Yes. It's underneath the streetlight, yeah. black and white, grainy. It was one of the great film posters. Yep. Yeah. And I remember we finally got it because it was in that night. And we walked up and I remember the video clerk was like, you guys are going to watch this? <laughs> and we were like, um, now we're really going to watch it. Mm-hmm. So we went home. We had a couple other things that night. Made our popcorn. Got through film light compared to that. And for everything that I told you Salem's Lot was for me, where I couldn't get out of that chair because I was so troubled. This is sixth grade version of me. Okay. And it's that to the 10th power. I knew, like it was late too. We had stayed up really late. So we started it at like 10, 30, 11, maybe even midnight. It was late. That's late for a sixth grader. It was late for us. And I knew that I needed to get up and turn that film off because God was literally like, (laughs) it's on, buddy. Yeah. Like so mad at me. (laughs) And I was waiting to go home and just have like... I told him, we can't tell my mother. He's like, you're sick. Like, we, I knew I shouldn't have been watching that film. Yeah. Because it's so well done. Yes. And there's certain five or six certain points in that film that to this day, I still struggle with. The movie, now that I'm a little bit older, I can't say it just terrifies me the way it does. But there's still moments that are troubling in that film. Yes. I couldn't sleep for a week. Yeah. Everything that Salem's Lot was... This was that at an older version, plus like two weeks of just, I don't think I slept for two weeks, man. Yeah. It was really, really monumental. <laughs> and here's the thing. Yeah. It only drove me eventually to seek out more. It also led me to Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. And it led me to, um, you know, mm-hmm. all of the whole selection of videos that they had there. And they were nothing compared to what that film was, mm-hmm. which... That movie's an amazing film. You gotta like if, if the Exorcist is the king of horror films because I can't imagine what it did to people in '73 when it came out. Right, you're watching it in the in the '80s, '86. And I think the first time I watched it was in the mid to later 2000s. Again with a group of friends, and it still plays. Like that movie is still very uncomfortable and very terrifying to watch. Yeah, and it's the use of sound. Yes. That I don't think a film other than maybe a David Lynch vehicle here or there has you sound better in a film, whether it's Reagan's voice or even the sound of the X-rays as they go up. Like mm. it's just so loud and jarring and just so not of this earth that it, it sticks with you. Yeah, Exorcist is king. <laughs> like, and when you get in there and you sort of start exploring like what actually has taken her over, it just gets worse. Yeah. The more you the deeper you get, you realize the less chance you're getting back out. Yeah. I think I really love possession movies. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we've talked about it off mic a lot. You know, yeah. I love The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yep. But it's The Exorcist for the nostalgia, for yeah. the impact, for the direction, for 
That's the midnight cowboy of horror films. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, that was a game changer. A game changer. Yeah. Without, I think that paved the way for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh, yeah. Jaws, and Halloween. But for what I could say about like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street, like those are films that haven't like aged particularly well, just because we're. What horror is now is way more intense than what it was in the 70s and 80s. We become desensitized to that, mm-hmm. whether through current events or just what's on screen video game violence, for that matter. Yeah. But The Exorcist 1973 still has that emotional. That's got to be saying something about that film because you can't say that that a film from 73 is still able to scare. Right. So, no, I think those are all all great lists. Matt, it's been fun talking horror with you and, you know, just kind of seeing your road to get there. I think we're going to do a couple more shots here of horror and kind of like see what else we have lined up. Like maybe some of our favorite selections from the genre. It's a fun conversation to have. Excellent. Takes me back. Here's to you, Jesse. It's been fun. Until next time. Cheers.